I don't, I don't think they could have chosen a better looking person to be on that screen. Amen? Amen. Better than myself. <laughs> good morning. It's good to have everybody here today with us. We ready for the Word of God? Amen. Amen. I want you to be hungry for the Word and what's to be spoken here today. And uh, let me just start off with praying. I think that's always a good place to start. Lord, I'm just a vessel to be used of you. I ask, Lord, that you just move mightily upon this message today. Lord, I also want everything to be spoken of you, that it be not of me, but it be all you. I'm just a vessel. I'm just a messenger here today. And Lord, just to be privileged and honored to be able to break open the word of God with these people, Lord, I am truly humbled. I ask, Lord, that you bless this time, bless this word, let it go deep into our spirits, that we walk out of here changed and made new through your power and through your might. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, open them up to two chapters, two books, two chapters, Ephesians chapter 2 and Jeremiah chapter 18. Ephesians 2, Jeremiah 18. And I also want to let you know that we're here for God. We're here. It's all about him, right? Tell somebody around you it's all about him. But in the process, God is here to work something in you so that we look like him. And to illustrate my message today, I have a short video that I want to introduce to you. It'll set up my message today. So... Video team, when you're ready, if you'll just push play. How many of you can relate to that video? I believe everybody who has oxygen going in and out of their lungs and blood going through their veins, and you're alive, I believe every one of us in this room can relate to that illustration. You know, we have a tendency to look at uh, the end results of all the glitz and glamour that comes with serving the Lord. And believe me, there are those... Uh, times of, of um, uh, glorying in his presence and, and being the God's masterpiece that he has created you to be, but we tend to forget the important part of the chiseling that God does in our life. And I like the one phrase that he said in there about how say, he said, whenever you gave your life to Christ, when you gave your life to me, you bought into a lie that everything was going to be hunky-dory that everything was going to be a bed of roses. You bought into that, and you did not come to ever understand that there was a process of serving the Lord, that it was going to be a part of where God was going to be knocking some things off of our life intentionally. And that's not the fun part of all this. Because you see, the chisel and the hammer that illustrated in that message today is not the funnest part of walking with the Lord but it's the most necessary part. We have a tendency to shy away from the things that the Lord is doing in our life to bring correction to us and to bring us positive change, to make us more like him in his image. That's the ultimate goal that we all have, that he wants us to have is to look like him, to smell like him, to talk like him, to walk like him. That is our overall goal in life. 
so that when we come across others in our path that don't know him, that we can be a reflection of Christ in these people's lives. Some of you had no Christian upbringing whatsoever. You had no influence of God in your life, but somehow, some way, someone was placed in your path to brought you to the realization that you saw Christ through someone else. And then in that process of finding Christ through somebody who was walking in, like Christ and looked like Christ and smelled like and, and all of those attributes of Christ that you came to know the Lord. But those people, those believers who went through the process of walking like Christ, they paid a dear price and are still paying the price today of being chiseled by God, of knocking off the rough edges of our life. But anytime God has a way of coming into our life and starts chiseling the things in our life that we don't like, we have a tendency to run in the opposite direction. And we tend to think that these are forms of punishment when in fact they're there to help us and to make us better. That's what these are for. God never intends any of us as his children to bring correction upon us that would be a destruction for our lives. Our God is a constructive God and not a destructive God. And I don't want to say I'm speaking prophetically today, but I just know human nature that there are people in this room and probably a majority, if you really had to be honest with yourself, that you have battled for years, if not decades, with thoughts and struggles and images of yourself that are not pleasing to God. And the Lord is chiseling away some things in your life and you don't like it. But if we can ever flip the other side of the coin and realize that the chiseling that God does in our life is for a benefit for us. I don't care how many years you've been serving the Lord. God will always be chiseling on your life. I've been serving the Lord my whole life. As I was born and raised in the pews, slept in the pews as a kid. And the Lord still to this day is chiseling on me. And I can look at it from two directions. I can say, ouch, and I can run the other direction, or I can stand there and take it like a man and say, God, do whatever you need to do to make me look like you, to smell like you, to walk like you, to talk like you, so that not that I'm holier than thou than anybody else, but the fact that people see you in me. That is what our prayer should be. But we fail to neglect the purpose of the chiseling. Because you are an original masterpiece of God. And all he's doing with these tools is to make you like him. To take off the stuff that is not him. To make you smell like him and to be like him. That's the purpose of these. It's not for punishment. It's to make you better. It's to make you stronger. It's to make you smell like him in everyday life. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, he quoted just the first part of the scripture in the beginning of that video. In Ephesians 2.10, it says this, For you are God's masterpiece. Look at somebody around you and say, you are God's masterpiece. Now tell the next person on the other side of you like you mean it. You are God's masterpiece. Tell someone behind you, God's still working on you. You need a lot more work. Be careful. Don't tell it to your spouse. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So why? Why do we do this? Why is he creating us anew? So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You see, God has a plan for your life. I know it become, has become cliché to say that phrase. He's got a plan for your life. But I want you to look beyond the cliché today. And I want you to take it to your spirit. That God has a divine purpose for what he has called you to do. You are not junk Because if you think you are drunk, then you're saying something against God by saying that he made junk. And my God, our God, does not make junk. He does not make junk. He makes masterpieces. And in order for him to get us in the place that he wants us to be in him, there's got to be some transformation to take place. We blame the devil so many times on circumstances in our life. And believe me, he's at the root of a lot of our problems and issues. But some of it is God just doing what he is called to do. And that's to mold us and to shape us and to chisel us into who he wants us to be. And that process is not fun. You see, it's all about the plan for our life. Because you see, the enemy knows that you have a plan from God. He knows you have a plan. And it's the enemy's job to get you off track of that plan. Because if he can get you off track, then you won't look like him. You won't smell like him. You won't talk like him. You won't walk like him. And he will do everything in his power to get you off track. We go to Jeremiah chapter 18, and I love this verse of Scripture because it really displays the the handiwork of God. So Jeremiah says this in verse number 1 in Jeremiah 18. I think it's on the screen for you today. It says, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. And he said, go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. And so he did as he told me and found the potter working at his will. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. And so he crushed it into a lump of clay again, and he started over. And then the Lord gave me this message. Oh, Israel, and I want you to put your name where Israel is. Put your name in that blank. Oh, Todd. Oh, John. Oh, Betsy. Whatever your name is, put in there. Oh, your name. Can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay? And as the clay is in the hands of this potter, so are you in my hands. 
He's wanting to shape us and to mold us and to make us into his creation, not your creation, because we're flawed. The moment we were given birth in this earth, we became flawed. And all God is saying, because we messed up thousands of years ago with Adam and Eve, all God is wanting to do is he's wanting to make us. Plato is the best I can use for clay illustration today. I'm sorry. All he's wanting to do is make us. You see, we're pliable people. God created us to be pliable. He created us with our own ability to make our own choices and decisions. God is a gentleman. You know what that means? He will never force himself on us. He will never make us do anything that we do not want to do. He has given us the ability to choose. And our choices will either make us or it will break us. And in this process of God molding us, as a potter does with clay on a potter's wheel, is there's a, a lot of pressures and squeezing and a lot of uncomfortableness that goes on. If we are that clay, and God represents that potter. We are being pressured. Not by the enemy. We're being pressured by God. Our creator. Why? Because he's creating a masterpiece. What I thought was very interesting in this passage of scripture. Is that if the potter represented God. And we represented the clay. And the potter started working with that piece of clay. It says that the. He, the jar was not turning out the way it was supposed to. And that he smashed it down completely again and started all over again. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I serve a God that I have a chance to start over anytime he needs me to. We can start over. You can start over. It doesn't matter how bad you've been, what you've done wrong, the mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be started over again. Because the master knows what he's doing. But what I thought was interesting, I, if this potter was, the, was God, why is it that he had to start over? I mean, after all, if he's God, it seems like the first try. The first try, he should have made the masterpiece. It makes it sound like that the potter, God, messed up. When in fact, we find out that it was the clay that was messed up. Now, I'm not a potter. I don't know anything that. I did do some research on YouTube and watched potters make things. But I find out that as they get clay that seems to be ready to be molded and shaped, that all the time, most of the time, they will find lumps or rocks within the clay that they're working with. And as they're pushing and they're churning it and they're shaping it and they're doing all of these Hard things to this that they find out that there are some impurities in there. And sometimes they're able to fix them quickly. And sometimes they have to literally take it apart to get all of the bad junk out. Put it back on the wheel to start all over again. One thing that I realized with this potter is when he found the impurities of that clay which represents you and I, he didn't throw the clay away. 
He didn't throw it away. He used the same exact clay. What did he do? He got the impurities out. He got the junk out. He took the proverbial hammer and chisel and started getting the rough places out so that whenever he started to use it again, it became better. And I have found in this walk with the Lord for many years that the longer that you serve the Lord and you're dedicated to him, that the pressures that he gives gets a little bit less and less because we're finally being worked into a masterpiece. And he doesn't have to do as much squeezing anymore as long as you serve the Lord. The difficult part is, is whenever we refuse to learn and listen to what God is teaching us and what he's telling us, is that sometimes he takes a creation that's almost done and he has to smush it and start all over again because we're not willing to be pliable with his guidelines and his protocols and his pro, uh, uh, principles of God's word. So as that potter took that clay, which looked perfectly ready to be used, and he slams it on that spinning wheel only to get started to create this masterpiece, does he find out that it had imperfections in it? But something happened in the process of the spinning does he find all those imperfections. And I know for many of us, we really, in life in general, all of us are placed on a spinning wheel. Spinning crazy. Sometimes you know what it's like as a kid as you spun around in a circle and a tight circle for an extended period of time and how you got dizzy and you ended up going off course because you couldn't keep balance. Life will do that to us. Life brings about a spinning motion to where sometimes chaos comes into our life. Some of it is invited in because of our choices and some of it is not. But it's the spinning process of life that you and I go through, all the junk, all the struggles, all the hardships, every, all the bad, the ugly, the nasty, the junk, in that spinning process is when God can take an imperfect vessel to start molding it in a shape that he wants it to take place. So is it truly possible That a perfect God can work with an imperfect vessel? Can a holy God handle dirty man? A perfect hand and a broken vessel, can God do that? The answer is yes. He's working on all of us. Every one of us. He's working. God will work on you. Till the day you die or until his second coming and he raptures us from this earth, he will always be shaping, always be molding. We can allow him to do it or we can fight and resist. And when we fight and resist, he'll take what has already been created up to that point and he'll just smash it again and again. And he'll say, take another lap. Let's, let's take another spin. Because it's not the way I want it to be. An interesting observation is again that he never threw away that clay. 
He used the same exact clay. And it doesn't matter how many times or how many imperfections you have in your life, even today, you are noticing in your own mind, in your own heart, what those imperfections are, that God can still use your imperfect clay. And one thing we seem to always forget that we need to be reminded of is that Jesus purchased us with a great price on a cross and that we don't belong to ourselves anymore. The moment we give our life to Christ is the moment we say, God, you've purchased us. I'm yours. You see, just like those, that one character in that video said that he did not want to give full control to God. He wanted to control some circumstances of his life and some he wanted to allow God to have. God wants full, 100% control of our life at all times. And if we will allow him to have complete control because he's at a perfect God and will never make a mistake, he will never mislead you in the wrong way. Can I hear an amen? In John chapter 15, I'm going to read this real quick. It says, I am the true vine. Jesus is speaking here. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Listen to, this is Jesus, red letter edition. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. For yes, I am the vine and you are the branches and those who remain in me and I will be in them and I will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch with withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. For when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. In Ohio, in our home, we had a landscaper put some new bushes in our front yard. Steph and I do not have green thumbs whatsoever. If you ever give us a plant, it will die in the next few days because we just don't take care of plants. We just don't have the, that knowledge. But they were knockout roses. And these knockout roses were beautiful little small baby roses that, that budded and looked like a bush. And they were beautiful. My father-in-law, who has a green thumb, he told us that when the winter season was upon us, that we were to take that beautiful tree, that bush that was really full, and to cut it back to almost to the ground. And my knowledge would think, why would you do that? Why would you take such a beautiful plant and cut it down to almost nothing? And of course, the strategy is, is that during the winter, nutrients gather in those small branches. And when spring comes, it becomes back even more fuller and more beautiful. And when those buds come out, those roses only live maybe about a week, and then they start dying, but there's other ones that are always starting, and some are dying at the same time. And he said, when you come to those periodically that are dying, and they're brown and shriveled up, just pluck the tops of them off. Just take them off. I said, why do I do that? He says, because 
the dead parts of that plant is drawing energy that the energy from that plant, the nutrients, should be going to the live good roses. So he said, you take and just pull those bad dead roses off and all the nutrients will transfer and keep the good ones good. And so I started doing that and, the, and those bushes got bigger and more beautiful every year that they grew because of the pruning process, because of taking off the bad stuff. We had a, a bush in our backyard that started going bad on us. And I didn't take care of it. I mean, I just natural, you know, it's a bush. It takes care of itself. And it started going bad. It started to have some, some bad spots. I have some pictures that I took of it. I don't know why I took pictures of it. It was in this condition. But I'm going to show you what it is. It, it was green most all over, but it had some sprigs and parts in there that were going brown. And they were dying. Well, I took the advice of my father-in-law who said, well, something's dying. Just break it off and you know, let the nutrients go to the good stuff. This is what it looks like. You really can't tell, but there's another picture. If you kind of see in there right in the middle, it's kind of a bare spot. So I gradually started breaking off those bad branches that had no life to them. And I thought, I'm going to bring nutrients to the rest of the plant. So I kept doing that. And the plant got worse and worse and worse. <laughs> That's the end result. I gave it its last rites, and I had a proper burial, Josh and Amber, for it. But uh, this is what it ended up. I tried watering that thing. I took all the stuff that's around the, the base of the plant, some of the uh, vines and stuff, and kind of gave it some air, you know, tried to bring life to this thing. And as I was taking pictures of it, I was thinking, man, I'm gonna, this is going to be a great illustration that I can take these dead spots on. I mean, this is going to come back to life. And wow, God, that's going to be a great illustration. And then that last picture shows up. <laughs> so I said, well, what's the purpose? I mean, what was the motivation of me taking these pictures, Lord? And then it's something spoken to me that says, there are some things in your life that you're trying to keep alive that I'm trying to kill. I said, I get it, God. He goes, you tried everything within your power to keep something alive that you were trying to bless, but I was cursing. You were trying to resurrect, but I was trying to kill off. Amen. You see, there are some relationships in your life that you're trying to keep alive. There's some boyfriends and girlfriend relationships you're trying to keep alive, but God's trying to kill off because that person is not meant for you. And I don't know who you are, but that hit you like a sword. There are some friends in your life that you're trying to keep alive. And God's trying to kill off because that relationship is not healthy for you. There are, is a job that you could be connected to that is you're trying to keep alive, but God's saying, I want you somewhere else. And so I got it. That there are things in our life that God is trying to kill. We pray for it. God, I pray for this plan. I pray, Lord, that you just bless it, Lord. And God's saying, I'm trying to kill it on purpose. And so I'm going to let the Lord speak to you about what that may look like for you. 
Because you see, as I was speaking, the Lord started to reveal people or situations in your life. And the Lord is telling you right now, even as I'm speaking, that there are things that you've been trying to keep alive in your life that he is trying to get out of your life. He's trying to knock off some excess baggage in your life. And he's saying, I just want you to look like me. I just want you to look like me. I have one more illustration here. I brought my mat here from home. This is a bath mat. Yes, this is mine. I brought this up here. Grafton brought this to me the other night, Friday night. He said, Dad, look at this. And he showed it. He said, yes, it's a, it's a mat with leopard spots on it. No, Dad, look. Do you see something in it? Looking at that picture, do you see something? Now, at first to your eye, for, to your regular eye, it just looked like a bunch of leopard spots. But if, if you look, there seems to be a face and a body. And I don't know if that was planned by the person who created this, but it, there's something there. Will you show the next slide, and I want you to tell me what you see. What do you see? You see what? How many of you see a vase or a candlestick? Vase or candlestick? How many of you see two faces? How many of you see both? You see, this is perception. Because you see, there's a deception to perception. And I know I'm, I'm, I should be stopped by now. And I'm going to get you out in time to get to Luby's. But there's a perception that we think is true reality when in fact our perception is so flawed and so far off that we think a lie to be a truth. And just as these illustrations give that you may see one thing one way, but God sees it another way. And there's a perception that we see in life. If an accident happened and there were multiple witnesses... Sometimes on those witnesses, there are different stories because they saw the accident from different perceptions or perspectives, and the story is different. But what God is saying is that just because you perceive something to be truth may not be truth at all, that it could be the enemy that has lied to you and deceived you into believing something about yourself that you were not a creation of God, that you're not designed to be that masterpiece. You have been told from your childhood that you are no good, you have no value, you, you are not going to amount to anything, and you've lived life for years with, an, with a perception that you thought was true that ended up to be a lie, but yet you lived and acted life in a way that caused you not to look like Christ. Because, you see, the devil's good with that. He's good in trying to make a, tr a lie into a truth. To make a perception that you think you perceive to be truth that is not really true. And I'm here to tell you today, you are God's original masterpiece. You are God's original masterpiece. You're not junk. God created you. Will you stand with me this morning as I close? I didn't finish my notes, but I think you've got my point today. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, listen to what it says. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. The chiseling is for your benefit, not for your destruction. It's there to make you better. So all I can do is encourage you today is as God is trying to knock the rough edges off in your life, let him. Let him. Tell somebody around you, let him. Knock the rough edges off. Some of you know exactly what those rough edges are and the person you're talking to. Knock it off. Knock it off. That's a good phrase. I just coined that. Knock it off. It goes great with this message. Knock it off, God. Whatever you need to do, knock it off. I'm going to ask our altar prayer team if you'll come down at this moment because I want to receive those who say, this message hit me right between the eyes and it spoke to my heart. Some of you have been lied to by the enemy that made you think you were worth nothing. But I'm telling you, you are worth something. You are worth a value that God created you in his image. And he wants to mold you and shape you. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. No one is here today by accident. Everyone is here by the divine orchestration of our God. You were here to hear this message because God orchestrated your steps today. Someone has been praying for you. Someone prayed for you to be here today. And I'm here to tell you these people are here to pray with you, to love on you, to support you, to encourage you, pray with you, all of those things. We are here for you. If you have any needs in your life whatsoever, I'm going to ask you to step out. If this message has hit you hard... I want them to be able to pray strengthen to you. You have bought into a lie, and these people here will help pray the truth of God back into your life. Will you get out of your seat right now, move as fast as you can to this front, and let these people pray for you and help you through this process of what God is doing in your life. Everybody move forward right now at this time.